I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. A familiar portion of scripture, which is Matthew 4. Um, just in case all else fails, I do have notes. <laughs> um, but in Matthew, I'm reading out of Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. And uh, it, uh, we have come through, if you don't mind me saying for a few minutes here, I, kn- I know there's been a lot of preamble to the message, but we have come through a very rough time these last couple of weeks. And uh, I, I've been praying, uh, I knew two weeks ago that I was, I was supposed to teach last week, and because of the weather I wasn't uh, able to, um, and so I've, I've been praying this week, and, and, and I just, in, in my spirit, may, maybe it's just me, Brother Hill, but, but in my spirit, I feel like there needs to be a deep plowing of the, uh, of the things of God today and, and, and the rest of this week. We, we're, we're needing something to hear, we need to allow ourselves to hear what God is trying to say today. I've I started, I have in my notes many scriptures. Actually, I have about 15 pages of notes. And as I started going down and putting them down on on my word processor, um, the notes started changing. And I didn't use nearly any of them. But the Lord has brought other thoughts. So let me read out of Matthew 4 so that you all can be seated. Uh, reading out of very, Matthew 4, verse, starting with verse 1 to verse 11, it says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to, me, came to him, he said, if, if thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The devil then taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thou at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone." Verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not, or excuse me, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto them, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and with him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, again I want to say thank you for the the mighty testimonies of healing that have already taken place. And we thank you, Lord, for the work that has already been done in the spirit realm. But, Lord, we ask that you help us, Lord, as we become more accustomed to your spirit today, that, God, that your spirit would minister into this body of believers. There are many needs here, Lord. 
and only you can meet them. And I'm, I'm asking, Lord, that you would bless this congregation this morning, that you would help them, Lord, to grow, grow, grow closer to you and help them, Lord, to feel your presence and help them, Lord, to feel the ministering of your spirit today. God, I ask that you would minister in a mighty way in the deep things of God today. I ask that, God, that you would bless me and help me, Lord, to minister this morning in your word and through your spirit. I ask your blessings in these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're being seated. Anyway, I was saying that I really feel like there are some things that the, the body of Christ is needing today and it's our responsibility to allow ourselves to become open to the presence of God this morning. Brother Hill was trying to push in that direction earlier and allowing ourselves to become used of God to, to have His Spirit speak to us. It's not a common thing and it should not be a common thing but that we come into the, the, the house of God and, and just allow somebody to stand before you and minister in the Word of God. <coughs> and then after the service is over, you go home and it's just another experience. Forgive me. My throat has got a tickle in it. Mankind today has always um, looked within himself for the answers to his problems. And many times when he looks to those answers, he comes up short. You look at all the uh, mental machinations that go forth in, in our world today and all the plans that man has to, to minister to the needs of our, 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 not our country. And you, you look at our government who, who acts like our, our mama and our papa who, who try to provide for the needs of their children and our government in many, many ways. It's, it's coming up short. The reason why is because man cannot meet the needs of other men. Men will try their, their, their best to try to solve the problems of, of, of water in the ground, or to, to bring up water to the ground, from, the, from the ground to, to water their crops or to water the, 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 the peoples. And, and they go through all these machinations. And, and I can tell you if you've ever drilled a well, there are times that when a man will drill a well that sometimes it will come up short or come up sour or or it'll come up with a sulfur taste. It's because men are trying to answer problems with men's wisdom. There, there, there are so many things that happen within man that thinks that he can come up with different inventions. The Bible calls them witty inventions. But the Spirit of God searches out those witty inventions and tries to show man that no matter how many times that he, he comes up with his own plans and his own ways, that they fall short. In fact, the Scriptures in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's the fourth chapter, it says that the, the wisdom of man is foolishness with God. You know, it's just the mental machinations, the mental way men will go through the, the ideas in their minds and say, this is what I want to do. In fact, the Scripture says that we say that we're going to do this or we're going to do that in James, and, and yet we have no power to, to, to command our tomorrows. It's because we try to put our faith and our abilities in ourselves. And nine times out of ten, we'll fall so short. A starving person's single most consuming passion is his need for survival, his need for food and water. 
And yet he leaves one of the most single, most important sides of his life blind. He leaves it unattended thinking that there is no need for it, that there is no possible way that I can really know who God is. There's no possible way for, for me to really understand who God is. And, and so we say, who is God? Many times we'll say, who is God? And, and you'll get some educated philosopher and he'll say, I'm God. I'm the God of my own destiny. I'm the guy who chooses whether I'm going to go to the store, whether I'm going to go to school, whether I'm going to go to work, or whether I'm just going to stay home. I'm the God of my own destiny. They, they're blind to a side of life that they do not understand, that they cannot comprehend because they have not tasted. In fact, the Scripture talks about a time on Mars Hill that men said, Paul said, you worship a God you don't know. You're worshiping things that are temporal. You're worshiping things that you have no idea where they belong. To those without God's righteousness, they have starved the spiritual side of their very existence, unaware of the dimension of life that can only be explored, and yet in exploring it can be experienced and enjoyed. God does not separate himself from man. Let me say that again. God does not separate himself from man. Man separates himself from God. It is man who sets, shuts himself off to the spiritual side of life and says that I cannot explore these areas or I don't know how to reach God. The physical needs of man, though important, cannot touch the deeper things of the soul of a man. Philippians 3 and 10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. It was Paul who wrote this saying, I need to know who my God is. I long to understand what his, what his life represents. I long to understand what his suffering represents. I long to be conformable to, to, the, to the, the dimension and the idea of what my God wants me to be. I long to have a spiritual experience. And yet we, we find ourselves so short of the mark. We find ourselves so short of what Paul was crying out in his soul to be, to be able to feel the presence of God. I can tell you this morning that already when the, in the worship and in, and, and in the praise and in the presence of my brothers and in the presence of my sisters, I've already felt the presence of God. And if you haven't felt Him yet, you can still have that opportunity this morning. Paul also said that if in this life... We have our hope in Christ, or if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all most miserable. To only believe that God is good for today or tomorrow makes God useless. To only believe that Christ can only meet my, day, my, my Sunday needs makes Christ useless. But we need to bring our Christ with us, our, our God with us everywhere we go. We need to bring our Jesus with, with us wherever, wherever we go, whatever we do. We don't need to think about our tomorrows because God's already taken care of our tomorrows. With the times that we are living in, there are a lot of changing going on. There's changes in our health care system. The political climate, as troublesome as it is, 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 is constantly in a, in a turmoil and a constantly in a change. And There is something happening in our future, and whether it's good or bad, that change is happening before your eyes and mine. We... 
we've, we've come into the new year and we, we have a lot of hopes and a lot of desires that uh, come to, with, with life. There's, there's a hope of babies being born and that all that goes with that, the joys of, of holding a newborn child in your arms that a mama longs for as she carries that baby nine months. There's a, the hope of, uh, of new marriages of, of the young and the old. There's the, also the unexpected deaths of those who, who have lived and, and yet have come to a point where they have, are dying. But the changes that are the, are the daily needs in life and the promises that we have made because of the new year, whether it's a weight loss project or a, it's an anti-smoking project or or maybe it's some other uh, deal that you've got going on in your thoughts and in your mind where you say, this year I'm going to do something different with my life. For all that planning, I, I ask you this question. Have you, have, have you considered, have you put it in your mind, have you uh, decided in your life that you're going to have a different walk with God this year? When it comes to the thoughts of change, we're, we're so quick to change the, the, the outside of man. We're so quick to say, I'm, I'm going to change the way I dress. I'm going to change the way I talk. I'm going to change the way I act. I'm going to change the, way the, uh, the things that I do. I'm going to change the people that I hang with. We're so quick to minister to the outside of our bodies, to the, to the physical, to the temporal. But how many of us have yet to make a decision of what we're going to do for the, for the spiritual side of our, our coming year? Maybe for you, it, it's a decision of maybe saying, I'm going to pray an extra 20 minutes or 30 minutes a, a day this year. Maybe you have no prayer life at all, and an extra 20 minutes will make a big difference in your life. I guarantee it. There's the thought that maybe uh, I'm going to fast more than one or two meals a day. The idea that, you know, uh, when, you, when, when you fast, there's just something about it that uh, it strips away all the... the uh, the, the, the unnecessary things in your mind and the unnecessary things in your life that it really brings into focus what's important in your life. I don't know, have you considered about your Bible reading? When we have our spiritual goals, we sometimes will hold to what is common. We'll hold to the common and the easy because we don't like to be pushed. We don't like to be pushed in our lives to do, go places where we've never been before. You go to a, a city unknown and you don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't just prepare by getting in your car and driving and end up in, in Indianapolis and knowing how to get around Indianapolis. You've got to prepare for that. And yet, even though we have begun a new year, we're already coming to an idea or maybe we've already always had the idea that, well, Sunday is for church and it's just a common experience. It's a, an everyday, every week experience in our lives and... You know, we, uh, we, we, we just move on with our lives. It's easy. It's easy to move on with your life. It's easy not to have to plow into the deeper soils of your soul and reach into the deeper parts of your heart and look at what needs to be changed. It's easy to say, I, I'm okay with God and I'm okay with my walk with God, but wh when was the last time you took a deep look within your soul and said, Hey, I've got some issues here that I, I, I need to deal with. No, no, they're not sinful issues. They're not always things that, that, that are wrong, but it may be wrong for you to have that attitude. I'm, 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 I'm reaching for things here this morning. 
In our lesson today, we're dealing with the very familiar temptations of Christ. Oh, I know. I know all about these words that speak of how Christ was tempted. I know, and you, if you've been around the church any length of time, you're, you're very familiar with how Satan came to our God, and, 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 and time after time Jesus beat back the attempts to cause him to succumb. You see, but Jesus had to face this very earthly ministry with a very spiritual guy who, or a very spiritual uh, devil that was very real. He was very real. The devil that Jesus faced was not just some toothless thing that just, you know, he, he could just flip his hair back or flip his shoulder back and say, oh, get away from me. No, 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 no. No, he had to go deeper than that. You see, if, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus overcame, if, if Jesus did not overcome the, the, the temptations that, that Satan came with him at, we would be condemned again. We were condemned when Adam sinned. We were condemned when Adam took part of the fruits and, and, and disobeyed God. And if Jesus had gave in to that temptation then we would still be condemned and there would still be the need to, to follow the law. There would be no grace if Jesus had given in to that temptation. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about the fact that Jesus was vying for your soul? He was reaching through the generations and he seen you and he seen me and he, he figured that you know, all these men who, who have walked the earth before and all that will walk after need somebody to pay the price for their sin. You see, because he overcame the power of the temptations that he faced, he did something for you and me that we couldn't do for ourselves. He won us a premeditated victory. We have a premeditated meditated victory. You see, we have already de de determined the, the courses of some parts of our lives. We have already determined that, you know, when I get to a certain age, I, I, I want to get married. And when I get to a certain age, I, I want to have kids. And when I get to a certain age, I want to have so many things like maybe a house, a car. We predetermine when, when somebody comes against you and, a, and, and, and they say, oh, let's, let's do something different here. Let's, let's go out and enjoy recreational marijuana. Uh, you've already predetermined, <laughs> not me, buddy, when somebody comes to you and says, oh, let's go get drunk. Let's go have a beer. Let's go try some sacramental wine. You know, uh, no, no, you've already predetermined in your mind, no, I'm not going there. There's some things in your life you've already predetermined in, your, in what you're going to, need to respond to. There's some things in your life you've already said, I'm not going there. You wouldn't be tempted to go there. You don't care about those things. But there's something that you have yet to predetermine. There's some things that we have not yet to determined on how we're going to respond to when the temptation comes. There's some temptations that come that we don't know how to respond to if we don't prepare for them. You see, our victory's already been won, and the outcome, the outcome of that victory is not in doubt. 
The outcome of your victory is not in doubt. The power of sin has been defeated. The power of the cross and the, and the blood that was spilled on the cross has already predetermined or, or your victory is already premeditated so that you have overcome the power of that temptation, the power of that sin that it has on your flesh. It's already won. There's no doubt about it. The Scripture is complete about it. But what is not predetermined is how you're going to respond to that temptation. You see... We're all tempted somehow, some way. We're all tempted by something. There's not a one of us that uh, doesn't feel a drawing towards something else. Our, uh, uh, our, our needs, our desires, our wishes, you know. Uh, they used to call the, the old Sears catalog or the, the wish book, the Christmas wish list, because you'd, you'd get this big, thick... Uh, Sears catalog or a Penny J.C. Penney's catalog when they used to have them, and 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 you'd go through them as a as a wife or as a husband or as a, 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 a as a child. You'd look at all the pretty pictures and you'd have these little wish lists that you would you would come up with, and uh, you 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 you've got some wishes in your life that sometimes leads to temptations. It says in First Corinthians 10 and 13, it says there is no temptations taking you such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. If you look in the book of James in the first chapter, you will find that God will not tempt you with evil. God will not come to you with some evil, diabolical plan just to see if you will succumb to that temptation. If you look at that temptation, God is not sending that temptation to you. If you feel an evil spirit, if you feel drawn away, it's not God sending it. God doesn't use evil. God cannot stand evil. God cannot stand to be in the presence of sin. I cannot tell you the number of times in my life when somebody would say, why? Why did God let that wreck happen? Why did God let this happen? Why did God cause that to happen? God didn't cause anything to happen. Sometimes life just happens. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. There's some things that happen in our lives that God uses to help us to bring out a better quality. But the Scripture says in James that every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. God doesn't give evil gifts. He gives good gifts. So when you've got something good going on in your life, you, want, you need to give God the glory for that. You see, the Scripture says in James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. When you are drawn away by the, the flash and the, the, the sound, and the, you ever notice you go into the malls? You ever notice you go into different stores and they have the little cranes and they have the little jute boxes, they have the little uh, toy machines that you, you, you can play or they'll have something else and, 
Every one of those machines has a little sound to it. Uh, it, 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 makes your, it draws your attention to it because it's something that's flashy or something that might entice you. But you see, it's our lust that causes us to be tempted. It's our cause that causes us to, 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 to leave God. It's our cause that causes us to sin against God. I, I can't, I can't uh, say enough about the fact that how many times we want to attribute the evil to God, and yet when the good things happen, we say, oh, well, that's just, I'm a lucky man. But every way, there is a scripture that says that there is a delivery system. It says with each and every temptation that comes into your life, the first, in 1 Corinthians 10 that we've already says, or read, it says that there's an escape plan. God has an escape plan for your life. He has an escape plan for your soul. The difference is, is just like the temptation, are you going to embrace it? Are you, are you going to embrace the escape plan? We celebrate the Christmas season. We've, we've, we've just celebrated the birth of Christ. We celebrate the new year. We celebrate many of the milestones in Christ's life, his birth, his baptism, his, his, uh, his triumphant entry, and even his death here in the, ne in the next couple of months. We'll ce celebrate his death, resurrection, and burial. Um, we celebrate a lot of things in, in the life, but how many times have we looked past the idea? How many times have we looked past the, the, the scriptures that said that Christ groaned within himself? How many times have we looked past the the, the idea that he suffered, he suffered the, 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 the days, the minutias, the, the things that come into your life and my life, he suffered those things every day. And then some, because he was always bombarded, he was always caught between those who, who were being trying to, to, to trap him and to trick him by the religious class, by the Pharisees, and, and there was those who had so many needs that, you know, he, he, he was constantly trying to heal somebody. Somebody was constantly needing a touch in their body. And, and then there were those who had been brought with evil spirits or demonic spirits that he was constantly casting out. Every day, every day of his life that he, that he, he or every day of his ministry that he was involved with people, they were constantly coming to him. Over the Christmas holidays, I... I had 10 days off, and out of those 10 days, I, I had seven days where one of my, my family or my wife's family or somebody was over, and, and by the end, the end of those seven days, I was kind of, I, I don't want no more. <laughs> it's not that I didn't love them, but I was overloaded. But, but, but every day, every day that Christ was, was ministering, every day, he was reaching out. Every day he was teaching. Every day he was healing. Every day he was doing something. He was, he, he, he was ministering somewhere. The, the, the fact that he, he went to the back of the boat and he went and he laid down and in the midst of a, of a very violent storm, he falls asleep, talks about his weariness. You see, he was, he was very human. And if you and I are going to be Christ-like, we have to understand that in your life and in my life, we're going to have some trials and temptations. We're going to have some struggles, just like Jesus did. We don't have to think that because we, we serve God that our life is going to be so easy. There's, there's nowhere in the Scriptures that promise that. The art of being like Christ 
is to be able to find the balance between the Spirit of God and, the, and your, your daily existence. The finding how to make place and room for, for God in your life and allowing God to speak to your heart throughout the day. You know, it's a, it's a, I, I, I understand. I work, a, I work a job too. I understand what it's like to get up early in the morning and go to work and then come home. And, and I understand the, 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 the needs that when you get home, there, there's sometimes I walk through the door and somebody is constantly asking me for something. Sometimes, you know what I do? I'll go out, I'll come home, and I'll sit in my car and I'll put my seat back. And, and I'll just take a few minutes for, for me. Because I don't want to walk through the door and constantly be bombarded. I've just spent eight, eight, eight hours at work or ten hours at work, whatever, and, and I need some me time to, to, to rejuvenate. Can you understand, Brother Mike? Brother Michael? You know what I'm talking about? Somebody always needing something? See, it's, it's, it's when you've got a, a responsibility to take care of things, it's always on your mind. It's always on your heart. But every once in a while, you've got to disengage. You've got to re, re, recharge your batteries. You've got to put something good in your life. You've got you to put something in your soul to, to, to be able to, to constantly give. You, you, there comes a point when, when you can't give no more. That's where you've got to be when, it, when, when, you, when, when you're in that point. You better be finding something spiritual. You better be finding some things that, that will put goodness in your life. That's when you should reach, reach for your Bible and, and, and go to the Psalms and find encouragement in the Psalms or go to the Proverbs or, or some other testimony of, of, of like Ruth or, or, or Naomi. You know, find somebody or David who encouraged himself in the Lord. That's when you've got to put good things in your soul. I, I, I know what it's like to be constantly having to minister. Not so much in this church, but in a lot of other churches, there is so many needs that we try to meet. And we, uh, we do that by many different ways. A church will sometimes use fundraisers to, to, to reach, to pay for a program. And uh, sometimes they, there are those who, even though they may have the money, they... They, they expect somebody else to give that money out of their pocket. But we have gotten to such a point in our, in our day's existence, in, a, in this time. I mean, there, there's, there, you, you go by the, the uh, certain places in Bloomington, and there, there are beggars there. and they're, they're, You don't know if their need is real or if they're just panhandling or they're just trying to get extra money. You don't, you don't know how to, how to respond sometimes to... To the real need, and 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 the church is no different. Uh, the the we have raised a generation of people who think that the church has got endless money, and, and the church doesn't. What money the church has, you give. Anything that the church has, you gave. You know, and and so some people will, from the outside looking in, they'll say, "Oh, that church is a big church, and there's a lot of cars there. There must be a lot of people with money," and so. They'll come in and they'll try to tap the church for a few bucks or, or a few hundred bucks, you know, whatever the need may be. And yet they're, they're not a, uh, they're, there's not a wit's interest in them to learn about who real, really Jesus is. They have no interest in learning about having a walk with God. They're just interested in what they can get. You see, in a church we may look at the need and there are so many people with needs and 
we begin to think that the, uh, the act of benevolence is, is just another church program and really it's more of a, a, a spirit that God is trying to develop in us to, to try to b- develop a character quality in you and in me to, to allow us to see that whatever we have, whatever is temporal in our lives, we don't need to hold on to it so tight. You know, we we work hard for the things that we have, but when those things become overbearing, when those things become where we hold on to them with a tight fist, then we might be needing to look at how we can get rid of those things so that they're not so important in our lives. Jesus calls us to be spiritual like Him. And sometimes when when, when you're fasting, there's something about fasting that takes away the, the, the debris of, uh, of who I am and what I am. It, it breaks it down to a point where you say, I need that hamburger. I, I need a drink of water. I need this. I need that. You know, fasting is such a hard thing to do when most of your week is involved with figuring out what you're going to have for the next meal. Fasting resonates on the same plane with our humanity. Fasting causes us to all understand that, that uh, I, 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 sometimes I, I don't look at the, the, the day that I'm fasting. I, I don't look at the whole day. I, I look at, oh, I got, I got past this, this hour. I got past this break. I got past lunch. I got past, 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 until I work through to however it works for you. That's fine. As long as you're doing it. But see, we read past Scripture so quickly we forget that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And we think that because he's Jesus, that he had extra power. And what fasting does is it makes you and me realize that Jesus went through the same things you and I feel. You don't think that in 40 days he didn't crave some food? He, he come to a point where you know, obviously at, the, at that point, we, you know, I, I, this is a little, little um, just me, I'll, just say, I'll say this. It must have been at that 40-day point. We don't know, I don't know, but it must have been at that 40-day point that something in Christ broke in his, in his spirit. It was something about that 40-day period that his spirit was open to Satan to be able to come in. What was that tempting point? What was that turning point at that 40-day mark? I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I can conjecture, but the Scripture does say that after 40 days, Satan came. Why didn't he come at 28? He would have been just as weak. But someplace at that 40-day mark, something broke in Christ. And he yielded to the spiritual side of his life. He yielded not to his flesh, but to the Spirit. Because when the Satan came, it was the, the, the Word of God, it was the spiritual side that he responded to and was able to see beyond the physical. In Hebrews 4 and 15 it says, For we have not a high priest which cannot, cannot be touched with the feelings of our firm, infirmities or our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted like we are, yet without sin. There was something about that 40 days that he, he experiences the same thing you and I experience, but yet he, 
He did not sin and, and, and reach out and do some miraculous thing like Satan tempted him to do and turn stones into bread. You see, your temptation will not always come like some red-horned demon. It'll come disguised as something fun. It'll come disguised as something worthwhile doing. Most temptations come in very attractive packages. Matthew 7:13 says, Enter into the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be go in thereat. Devil faced, or excuse me, the, the devil that Jesus faced was a very powerful enemy. The eternal souls of man hung in the balance, but yet he did not succumb to the temptation. He was able to defeat Satan at his own game. You see, we are so quick to say, I don't, I, I, I don't have the power to do this or do that. But see, when, when you reach beyond the physical, when you, when, when you allow God's Spirit in your life, when you allow the Spirit of God to grow in your life, when you're doing the things that the Scripture says you can do, you can overcome the, that temptation. You know, Genesis, Genesis um, 4-7 says, If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted, but if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. Everyone has that temptation. Sin is waiting on the other side of that temptation. What's the difference between sin at our door and stopping the temptation in its tracks? Jesus stopped sin at the door of temptation and defeated it before it had a chance to get in his heart. See, Scripture says that if you look on a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery. It's when we put the thing in our heart, when we dwell within our heart, the, the temptation, the, 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 the thing that... We want most is, is, is not something that we, we, we opened up the, the, the magazine and said, Oh, I want it. No, there was some mental things going on. Oh, this looks nice. Oh, I'd look nice in that dress. I'd look nice in that outfit. I'd look nice in that suit. And you start thinking about things. And you start, oh, well, I could do this and this and this. It grows. It grows in the soul. It grows in the heart. And when sin it is finished, it brings forth death. You see, when Adam was tempted, he had everything perfect. He had everything given to him. There was nothing that Adam ever needed that he had that, that God had not already provided. It was, it was paradise. And yet, Jesus had the same things that you and I have to face every day. He didn't have everything perfect. And neither are you, and neither do I. There's, there's always things that we think that we need to change in our lives or do better. But the second man, Adam which is Jesus, he, 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 he moved beyond the, the, the physical and decided to, to follow the, 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 the spiritual. The pressure to, to, to succeed, you see, was not the end of Jesus' temptations. The pressure to overcome these temptations, it was just the, 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 the beginning level of his ministry. It wasn't, it wasn't the end. It was the beginning when you come to Christ, when you are, uh, repent of your sin and you, you're, you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, your battles aren't over. They're just beginning. You see, when you were walking in the world, you, you were already Satan's and so you, you didn't have to worry about Satan coming to you and being tempting you and, and you didn't have to worry about changing your attitude because you are who you are and you're going to walk the way you walk and talk the way you talk. 
You're going you're gonna to cop whatever attitude you want to cop. But when you become a Christian, you're no longer your own. You belong to Christ. And there's some things that God wants to change in your life. And there's some things that God wants to change in your heart. And God is wanting to, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to look past the, the person who is sniping at you and, and wanting you to get mad and get angry. But, you know, just like Satan coming to Jesus, we've got to look past and see what the real need is. Jesus could have had eaten at any time. He had the power to turn that, that stone into bread. He had the power to speak and water bubble up out of the ground. He had the power to go wherever he wanted to go. But he knew that if he gave in to the physical desires, if he gave in to the physical parts of his flesh that said, I need to eat, then he would never know if he would have to be given into anger, envy, strife, lust, murder. You see, those are all fleshly. There's 17 of them. There's 17 things the Scripture talks about in Galatians 5. 17 works of the flesh. And if Jesus couldn't overcome the flesh by keeping the, not, not turning those, uh, that, bread, that stone into bread, if he had turned that stone into bread, then what other temptation could he have been led to? You see, Jesus, when he faced those temptations, he, he really did have a fight on his hands. Could you do it? Could you respond the same way after 40 days? Could you say no to the idea that if thou be Eldar, if you are Eldar, then make that computer sing. Make that computer work. I, you know, whatever. If, you're, if your sister, if your sister Krause, let's see you make that choir dance. Let's see you do this. And you. The point is, is that we uh, we think that because he was Jesus, he didn't do those things. But you have the same power in you if you have the Holy Ghost. You have the same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit. God says in His Word that He has given you His Spirit. You have the same power to say no. And yet we think somehow that because He was Jesus, He, he had no problem defeating sin and Satan. Romans 7.18, For I know that in me, the Scripture says, that is, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how do I perform that which is good? Who doesn't want to have a, a, a word spoken to him? Good job. Who doesn't want to have somebody recognize your true talents and have them acknowledged before others, saying, look at this man, he's, he's performed very well, he's, this, he's done a good job. Who doesn't want to have their goals realized and recognized? You see, there's nothing wrong with those things. They're, they're human uh, things that, that, that we, 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 we 
seek, we, we seek the, the, the acclamation or the uh, acceptance of others in our, who, who see our abilities and our talents and we, we say, this is what I am and this is who I am and this is what I do. And whether you're a plumber or a heating and cooling guy or whether you're an electrician or whether you're a, 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 a building trade of some kind, you, you want somebody to acknowledge that what you've done is good. Who doesn't like something new or something shiny like a new car? Who doesn't want extra money in your wallet so that you can spend it on frivolous things? Who doesn't want a brighter future? You see, there's nothing wrong with those things. But when they become all-encompassing in your life, that's where the problem lies. Sometimes these things can be acquired. They'll take time away from your family. Sometimes these things to be acquired causes you to spend many hours on your job. Sometimes these things will cause you to do things maybe that aren't quite on the up and up. You see, the devil doesn't always need to tempt you and me with sin. The devil doesn't have to bring some, some sin or something great in your life to tempt you to sin. Your own flesh causes you to want some things. Your own flesh causes you to want to, to have some of these things. You put a man, as a man, I can tell you that if you put a, a young, attractive, or an attended female in a room with six or seven other guys, there will always be two or three that will seek her attentions. What would Jesus do in a situation like that? He'd probably look past the situation and see the real need of what those men are needing. And it's not just a moment of attention, but they're needing something deeper. What does Scripture say happened when the devil came to Jesus? It teaches that Jesus faced two temptations every time the devil came. If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. If thou wilt, fall down and worship me. If you were to face those same temptations, how would you respond? Well, we can always say, I'll respond this way or I'll respond that way. But you know, every one of us has a weakness. Every one of us has a temptation. Where's your weakness at? Is it your pride? Is it your ego? Maybe you have a problem with your self-esteem. Maybe you have a problem with your profession or your trade that you, you have the wrong attitude about it. Maybe your temptation is, is your Aunt Betty or your Uncle John or your Uncle Sam or whatever. Maybe your relatives are a temptation for you to, to lash out, talk about, gossip about. I don't know. But all of us have that temptation. All of us have the 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 the, the, the temptation to respond in the flesh. But are we able to overcome the baiting that Satan brings into our lives? Are we able to overcome the attitudes that says Christ lives here? You see, we're here to shine as lights in a world of darkness to, to allow Christ to, to shine that, that God may come into our hearts and into our lives to, that others may ask, why? Why are you the way you are? that you may bring the gospel to them. Jesus needed food 
That was his human side. But yet he condemned the weakness of that, that human side by living in the spiritual side. I don't know. How do you feel when the pastor calls for a week of fasting? How do you feel when the, when the pastor says, okay, we're going to have a, a week of prayer and fasting, and uh, you, you, do, you, do you say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it, uh, um, do I want Wednesday? Do I want Thursday? Who wants Saturday? You see, it's really easy to say, I'm, I'm Mr. Cool, I'm Mr. Spiritual. You can't tell me about Christ. Really? Let's fast for a week. Let's find out how spiritual you are. The point I'm trying to make is not to cause you to have guilt the next time the pastor calls for a week of fasting. It's to show that Jesus is just as human as you as I was when he faced those temptations. There is such a need for us to, to overcome this physical world. The scripture says in Hebrews 2 and 18, For he that he himself having been suffered being tempted, he is able to succor or help them that are tempted. You see, for every temptation you face, there's that escape plan. He's able to help us through those things. Though Christ could never have been tempted by a coarse or a common sin, the devil brought his temptations up to the level and the dignity of a son of God. <clears throat> Where is your spirit today? Where do you think that you lie? Are your temptations easy? Does, it t does, it, does all it take is somebody attractive to walk across your eyesight and your, your, your eyes follow them? Or is maybe your temptation is the, uh, the fact that you're always angry? You can't find peace in your life. Maybe the temptation is to, to constantly lash out at those you love or those who come within the sphere of your influence. We've got to display to the world that is dying the, 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 the idea that there is more than just what, we, what you see. And that involves our attitude. That involves our spirit. It's a temptation to just live life. It is a temptation just to keep walking the way you walk. But there, we have to reach deeper into who we are. We can't, if we're going to, you, you talk about the, 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 God's got a plan for this church. If we're going to move forward in the kingdom of God, if we're going to be, if we're, if we're going to plow some spiritual ground, then we've got to do some spiritual work. We've got to change some things that we're seeing and doing, and, and we've got to move beyond the common. I, I was talking uh, with my brother um, here just recently, and he was talking about how he has instituted this RBD. And he has seen almost 10 to 15% growth per month for the last six weeks using RBD. He has seen an increase in, in, in his attendance and in people coming in. He has instituted that program very well. You see, he went beyond the common. He, he just didn't do door knocking, but he went beyond and he pushed those who were with, that, that were in his congregation to move beyond. And we can just have our same few and no more. Or we can move beyond our comfortable zone. I challenge you this morning. I challenge you. Don't allow the temptation 
to, 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 to just be another Sunday service. I challenge you today to move beyond this, this next coming year to see a greater desire for, 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 for deeper spiritual things. Don't allow your lives to be the same way they were last year. Don't allow yourselves to be tempted to sit and be comfortable on a pew or, or even on a platform. Don't allow yourself to be spiritually numb because I've been in church 20 years doesn't mean that you can't change. I challenge you this morning. Just like Christ was challenged to, 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 to respond in, spiritual ma- in, in, in a physical way, physical way, I challenge you to, in a spiritual way to look deeper within yourselves. I'm not just preaching. I'm preaching to me. What does it mean to know Christ in your life? What does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus in your life? What does it mean to have a spiritual walk? Is it just because I come to church and walk through the doors? No. The Scripture says, and, 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 and I believe it's, it's, it's Mark, it talks about when Jesus was tempted, He quoted Scripture, He was in the Word. The Scripture talks about when Jesus was 12 or 13 that He grew in stature and in favor with God and man. How did, God, how did Jesus grow in favor with God? He had to spend some time alone with Him. Jesus wasn't wasn't supernatural in the sense that he, he just suddenly got all spiritual. He had a relationship. And that relationship was more than a Sunday afternoon in a synagogue. He had a walk. He had a talk. It put something down in his soul that said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It wasn't something that he had in his little notebook or his little e-book or, or, or anything else. It was something that was in his heart. And if we're going to see great things with God this year, we've got to put some things in our heart. We've got to be deeper in our souls. And say, I'm not, I'm not satisfied. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with my spiritual walk. I want greater. I've got a whole lot more notes. But I think that's enough. Let's stand. Yeah. Scripture is very familiar about the temptations of Christ. and Yeah, you're very familiar with that temptation, those temptations, and yet every day you live, every day you walk, every day you brush shoulders with others, there's the temptation to ignore. There's the temptation to close your eyes and not see. There's the temptation to say, oh, I'll deal with that another day. But if you're spiritual, you'll reach beyond the 
the easy and the common and the comfortable and stand in the gap and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I, I thank You for Your Spirit that is here this morning. I thank You, Lord, for the challenges that You overcame, that as You overcame the world, You gave us the power and the Spirit to overcome the world. Lord, there's some other things that we need to overcome, and that is things that are very, very deep within our souls and deep within our spirits. And Lord, we need You. We need You, Lord, to stir our nests. We need you to stir us out of our comfort zone. We need you, Lord, to to stir us to a greater walk and a greater commitment to you. Lord, touch every heart that is here this morning. Minister to them, Lord. Minister to their hearts this morning. Let them hear what was trying to be said. And let your spirit minister to the needs that they have. Heal those who need healing, God. And let your spirit minister, Lord, to the deeper things. I ask your blessings on each one. Go with them, Lord, and keep them safe and bring them back, Lord, to the house of God. And let your spirit touch them in a mighty way. I ask your blessings, your touch, in the name of Jesus, I pray.